Hey, everybody, welcome to the Jetstream podcast year ender. <laughs> Will is already celebrating the New Year, so Jonas Schwartz here with Ray Lucas sticking with us for five to ten minutes before he gets nice. up for his New Year's Eve plans. That's, that's me, baby. Ralph Vacchiano, also nice enough. Ralph and I have boring lives, so yeah, we don't have big plans. We're going to stay for the I full half hour. all night. Yeah, Ray, yeah Ray, Ray's got big I, I plans. I will not be. I know it. I know it. So we're, we're here to wrap everything up. Jets obviously lost. Th- lots happened. 38-3 to to the Patriots. They finished 4-12. Hard to believe the record worse than it was the previous two years. Um, fire Todd Bowles on Sunday. And uh, we just listened to Chris Johnson and Mike McCagden wrap things up from Florham Park. And by the way, before we get into it with you guys, just want to remind you, you want to find the podcast, just search for us on the iPhone podcast app or wherever you are looking for your, your podcasts. Uh, always rate and review the show. We thank you so much for doing it all year long. Ray, what's your reaction all that's gone down here? Well, you know, it's not shocking. Todd Bowles was going to get fired. Uh, we knew that for a while now. For, for a very long time. I mean, you know, when you go 10 and 6, 5 and 11, 5 and 11, 4 and 12, nobody's going to stay around for that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, when you look at the Todd Bowles era, too, it, it, it's a little difficult for me because he is a friend of mine. He's a Jersey boy. But, you know, when you when you have a coaching style, this is the first time he coached, so that's okay. Because coach, usually, sure. you know, you, you get a second shot down the road. But Maybe in Arizona. We'll see. I, I think the fact that, you know, Todd Bowles is a player's coach. You hear all the guys in the locker room, all of them saying the same thing. We love Todd Bowles. Not only as a coach, but as a man. Um, but the problem being is sometimes when you're a head coach and you put your neck out for your players, they don't reciprocate. Right. And that's a cause for disaster inside that locker room. And, you know, it, your record is what it is. But at the same time, I think Todd Bowles got kind of – how do you put the word, Ralph? I don't even know what You think he was scapegoated. I, I, I think he was a little bit scapegoated. Absolutely. I really do. Yeah, and it's the unfortunate side of the business – a change had to be made. Yeah. You know, you, you certainly you can't put all the blame on him. There's not enough talent there. Everybody knew it. The players in the locker room knew there wasn't enough talent there. The, you have three straight double-digit losing seasons. Yeah. you got to change coaches. But certainly it's not all of Todd Bowles' fault. It's just a situation where it, you looked at the whole program. You had to change everything start over and really they got to Mike McCagney is in, in the same situation now he's got to get better players in there for the next coach or they're just going to keep repeating well, this cycle l- let's talk about this for a second and, and I always push back a little bit on this narrative because I think you guys are right it's obviously not all Todd Bowles's fault but you know I, I thought Todd Bowles when he had a quarterback had done okay when he had gotten decent quarterback play Ryan Fitzpatrick played well that first year he had done all right but there's some things that kept cropping up with his coaching style. You mentioned being a player's coach, yeah. right? I mean, the penalties over and over again, the lack of adjustments. And I understand this roster is not a playoff roster. But I'm going to give you again, and I've said this to you guys about five times today, Brock Osweiler and the Dolphins beat him in a game where no Spencer question. Long snapping the ball over Sam Darnold's no head. And everybody's going, what is Todd Bowles doing? No question. Matt Barkley is signed off the street and comes in there. He was watching TV two weeks at before. At 41-10, the Jets don't come to play. All right? Uh, the Cleveland game. The Jets are dominating the that Bills game. The Bills game was pretty bad, too. Yeah, well, that well that was the Matt Barkley game. Yeah, right? So, so, the Cleveland game. They are crushing Tyrod Taylor. Baker Mayfield comes in. Jets make no adjustments. I thought Bowles had a really bad year, um, and, and I think I know he didn't have a ton of talent, but I, I I think he is where he is today. Unfortunately, I think a lot of it has to do with him. I don't think he had the most talent on the roster. I do think a lot of it has to do with him. No adjustments. I don't think he got better as a coach. As a guy who's supposed to be a defensive guru, there was talent on offensively. Yes, 
talent deficiencies. Talent deficiencies. Defensively, I'm not so sure. You, they had tell t- me. Well, where were they in the? Th- in well, the he began his coaching career with as much talent and defensive no, 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 as no, no, you no. could find. Here's my problem. You know what? You spent a lot of money this past offseason. You got Jermaine Johnson to come in here, and he's skimmed seventy million dollars. That's a shutdown corner. That means he follows the receiver. The best receiver on the other. But Bowles didn't use him that way. Wherever we go, we got one guy on one side, Mr. Claiborne on the other side. There was no friggin' Tremaine Johnson following him. You paid seven million dollars to a guy named Morris Claiborne, who couldn't cover himself with a wet paper with a blanket. Um, Then you look at Marcus May. Oh my God, where was he? Hurt all year, finger, toe, whatever it was. Uh, I think Williamson was probably the best pick that they make. Mike Free agent signing, sure. I mean, he was just absolutely fantastic, flat-out baller. Leonard Williams, you might favor Williams. But Todd Bowles takes a hit for that to me. How? Because if you're a great defensive coach, don't you bring out the best in your best players? Here's the the problem, though. You have all this stuff, all this money you spent in that secondary, New Jack City. It was no New Jack City at all. It was New Jack Adams. That's it. Yeah. Plain and simple. So how are you going to marry the the back part of your defense with the front part of your defense if you can't cover anybody? So what does that mean, Jonas? That means that the quarterback's not going to stand back there and hold the damn ball for the pass rush to get to him in the first damn place. But where were the exotic blitzes that we always thought, that we always heard about with Todd Bowles in Arizona? Yeah, this is my problem with Todd Bowles, and I I can't defend him. I I think that it's certainly that there's some talent there, but I've seen coaches get more out of – the same quality roster. Why can't he out scheme somebody on defense? There, I mean, well, there that's why you no got hired. Pass right. That's right. why you got hired. Right. Leonard Williams. I, I mean, you, you want to put it all on Leonard Williams? He regressed, maybe. But I, I believe a coach should have found a way to get him away from double teams at right. some point. Exactly. And he's a guy that, you know, maybe we were all wrong on him. Maybe, maybe. he's overrated right. and, and the Jets shouldn't be paying him all, all this kind of money. But he's a good enough player that. The right coach finds some way to free him up. He's got, some one, way to he's use got one year to make his his bone. He sure does, and, and that's it. So, you know, yeah, he was a first round draft pick, all that great stuff. But you know, you look at the guy like Donald in the Rams, and you look at Atkins in Cincinnati, and you're saying to yourself, why not Big Cat? Why not? He was like, supposed not? to be that. That's what they drafted yes. him for. Right. Not just to be a run stopper, People but to be a terror pass rusher. People thought he was the best player in that draft. Yeah. And and right now, you know, they did pick up the fifth-year option. But, again, I'm sitting there scratching my head. All right. I, I know you got to go soon. i got to get one, one other point with you. See, I could have kept you the whole half hour. You would keep talking. I know you would. <laughs> but I'm a man of my word. Um, so, now you move forward. Mike McCagnin moves forward. Yeah. We just heard from Christopher Johnson uh, saying that the next coach is going to report to him. Uh, this is wrong. Yeah. All right, Jonas, it's wrong. As far as I'm concerned, it's wrong. The dynamic in the NFL has been the same since the beginning of time. Uh, you the, want the GM to hire the coach, you, coach reports the GM. Yeah, because you know what? That's where you're, they're tied in. So, you know, when Todd Bowles was hired before the, before the GM, I was like, I, I don't know if that's going to work because it's never has worked before. Uh, the GM always hires his guy because he's tied to that guy, married to that guy for the duration that he's with whatever you know team he's with. And the fact that you know Chris Johnson's going to say, well, we're going to hire the coach, he's just going to report directly to me, isn't there a disconnect, Ralph, between your GM? Listen, if, if I'm head coach, I go to my GM, I need more players. I need you to get me a big, fat offensive tackle right now. I need a big, fatty up front. If you don't have that kind of – the thing, it becomes a circus. It's, and I'm sitting here thinking about it in my head, like, how is this dynamic going to work? So if I'm the head coach, I'm going to go to Chris Johnson. Hey, guess what? I need a, a, a true one, number one wide receiver. So he's going to call up Mike McCagnin. He's going to say, hey, Mike, 
Uh, Ray Lucas needs a, a, a true number one. How, does that sound crazy to anybody else or just me? No, absolutely. How about, to me, it's absolutely insane to do. How about the other way if Mike McCagney drafts a guy that he believes in and then wants coach the coach doesn't want to play him? Anybody he here named Christian owner. Hackenberg? Something like that. You know, there's there's all sorts of built-in problems. This is, this is, what I don't be get a nightmare. is why are the Jets of all franchises trying to reinvent the wheel here? Why? What have they gotten right over the last 20 years where they could say, you know what, we can come up with a structure that's going to be better than everybody else's? Didn't Seattle have a similar, just to throw out there, and, I, and Seattle was a rare situation, didn't Seattle have a similar structure with Carroll and Schneider hired in a different sort of way, and that worked. But I get it. Yeah, I'm but, with you guys. It's the right. rare exception. But Pete Carroll also came from yes, the national yes, championship totally. in USC with a lot of power. And if I'm not mistaken, he had a previous relationship yeah, with yeah. Schneider. So there are certainly ways it can work. Yeah, but it's, the dynamic is always the friggin' same, right? So, it's so, always the same. So why is Chris Johnson doing this? He strikes us as a smart man. He seems as a stand-up guy. Gets up there in front of the camera, says the buck oh, stops thought, with me. I thought he was awesome today. I really did. I thought he was awesome today. But again, you know, my biggest question going forward is we have the most important piece of the puzzle. We have the franchise quarterback. We have a guy that can take us to the promised land. But in the end, the next step for the New York Jets is the most important step for the next four or five years. Head coach. I mean, it's that serious. And that's how much time you could friggin' lose if you don't do this the right way. All right. I, I, four or five years, Jonas, we could be sitting here, and then next thing you know, we come back and we're like, well, crap, that didn't work. Now Sam Darnold's in the league eight years. That's no, that, you got I mean, it's, to me, it's, it's just insane. It's done a certain way for the, all the right reasons. This could blow up in the Jets' face. Let me say this. Again, I'm a man of my word. Ray Lucas, big New Year's plans. Thank you for being with us, buddy. We appreciate it. Happy Ray New Lucas, year. not one appearance on the Jet Stream podcast Happy this year. Happy New Year to you, too. Two appearances That's on the Jet Stream podcast. Baby, you know what I'm <laughs> hey. That's our Happy New Year to the great Ray Lucas. We appreciate it. Ralph and I will continue on as we continue to discuss a lot of very interesting things that went on uh, at Florham Park today. And we'll keep going here, really, with the point of Mike McCagnin staying and running personnel. I, the only thing I wonder if this is different this time, and maybe I'm giving this organization, Ralph, too much the benefit of the doubt, and they don't deserve it, but maybe I'm giving it to them. Go ahead. Is that McCagney at least is in on the search. Yeah. And so, I, and I don't think Chris Johnson is a guy who thinks he knows football better than Mike McCagney. Yeah. Jonas is a good <laughs> I'm telling you, Years. I could have kept Ray the whole half hour. He wouldn't <laughs> ever even thought about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so part of me, and maybe I'm hoping, uh, I'm, I'm hoping against all hope that this will work out differently because McCagnin will have a big say in this. Am yeah. I wrong? Am I being Pollyanna here? No, I think you can, you can be optimistic about that. Honestly, when I got the statement on Sunday night and it started to sound like, you know, it said Mike McCagnin will be involved in the search, and I started to realize, well, I think they're going to keep the structure yeah. the same. I worried that they were going to hire a search firm, which yeah. I think is the most ridiculous way. Why have a GM then? Right. We, I don't know. If you, if you need a search firm as an NFL team, then you're just not paying attention to what's going on around the league. And in that case, I thought, well, that's just not going to work. McCagney's going to be stuck with a coach that he doesn't believe in. I have to believe that when they say Mike McCagney's going to be involved, they kind of mean that he's going to be leading the search. He absolutely is more experienced and more knowledgeable in this than Christopher Johnson or Woody Johnson. I think both of them are smart enough to lean on their general manager. 
Now, they could always be seduced by the big name. I think that might be why we heard the reports they were looking into Jim Harbaugh. I don't know that that was a McCagnan thing because McCagnan would have lost power um, if Harbaugh came here. I think that that might have been something that Johnson said. Let's let's see if this is a possibility. But now that the big fish in the sea is sort of seemingly out of the picture, I think that we can kind of take comfort in the fact that they're not going to hire a coach that McCagnan is going to say, I didn't want this guy, and it'll be a train wreck. It's going to be a guy that he wants. Now, now, listen, and I think you get that sense because Chris Johnson talked about one of the reasons he kept Mike McCagnan was that they worked so well together. Yeah. And, listen, let's be real. Another reason he kept Mike McCagnan is he swung a trade for Sam Darnold and appears to be very right on Sam Darnold. Let's talk about possible head coaching candidates for this spot. Do you see them going college guy? You see them going offensive assistant? Let me tell you, already we've heard a couple of defensive assistants. They can't go defensive assistant. No, that would be crazy. The, the two things that I had heard leading into this that they were going to look for was an offensive mind and someone with experience. When we heard Christopher Johnson and Mike McCagnan talk, they widened the field. They know it's going to be extensive. We're not married to anything. But if you kind of read between the lines, they said, well, we like someone with experience, but we don't have to have it. We would like an offensive guy. Sam Darnold's important, but we don't have to have that. I think in the end, they're still going to come back to experience and offensive mind. But I do think you know, Christopher Johnson used the word extensive for this search. We know already of four people that they've requested to interview. Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. Great coaching tree there. Absolutely. The last two uh, Chiefs offensive coordinators, Matt Nagy has turned around the Bears. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. So all this worry about, well, Andy Reid calls the plays. Right. Yeah, don't I'm, worry about it. I'm this. glad you brought that up because you know we're going to hear that. And I don't Absolutely. mean to interrupt you, but we're going to hear he never called the plays. You want an offensive coordinator never called the plays. But neither the last two guys, and everybody right. loves what they're doing. And it worked out perfectly well for them. So I think Eric Bieniemy is a great choice for them to look into. Uh, no head coaching experience, but um, obviously a good offensive mind. We know about uh, Todd Munkin, the Bucks offensive coordinator. They had the best offense in the NFL, but it, they were also 5-11. I don't know if you want to necessarily right. go in that route. Uh, Chris Richard, the Cowboys defensive back coach. One, wasn't it? it? It almost sounds like you're looking off a list. Like somebody said, here are the hot best candidates you know let's let's go interview them but if they're hiring Chris Richard is Todd Bowles done over again he's a defensive backs coach with no head coaching experience he's gonna have to bring in his own offensive coordinator that would make no sense do you think they do that in part to familiarize themselves with uh, potential defensive coordinators although you would like to think the next head coach would assemble his own staff yeah I I guess that's possible I've heard of teams doing that but if you're doing that to me, you're not focused on the actual prize. Yeah. you got to look at your head coach. Right. That's the most important thing, which is why, I mean, these are the early names, and we're getting them because they have to file paperwork to actually interview these guys. There will be others. I still think they're going to talk to Mike McCarthy. I know they've done uh, some background work on him. I believe they're going to talk with Jim Caldwell, the former Colts and Lions. Uh, Can you sell Jim Caldwell to a fan base that just watched? Because my initial thought, and this is not fair to Jim Caldwell. Yeah is that's as boring a hire as you could imagine after Todd Bowles. Right. You know, the same, I mean, just what Todd was, while well, a fun guy and a smart guy and, and really a vibrant guy away from the cameras, couldn't have been more boring in front of the cameras. Right. Jim Caldwell's boring. Absolutely. But I feel like that's unfair at some point because he's an offensive mind and yep. probably did better as a head coach than people remember him as. I, and I think that's absolutely true because the reaction I get to Jim Caldwell is, no, no, not Yeah, him. that's what my What fault. did he ever do? Okay, right. well, 
Let's take a look at his record. Three years, I think, in Indianapolis, two terrific years. They were a Super Bowl contender in those years. Then he loses Peyton Manning and the, the wheels come off. Right. He goes to Oh, Detroit. was that Tony Dungy's team, in essence? You know, I, like there, there's a little George yeah, Seifert there. And, and he had Peyton Manning. Right, not right. There's a little Manning, George no Seifert quality there. But his second stop in Detroit, four years, two trips to the playoffs with a franchise that has been to the playoffs three times in 20 years. So that was pretty good, and the offenses were always good there. Can they sell it? Well, the problem with that is in this climate, you know, Mike McCarthy's a big name. Everybody else, fans are saying, I want Sean McVay. Yeah. Get me the next hot offensive mind, the guy that's going to bring all the energy, and that's fine. But who is that? Right. You're looking for the next Sean McVay. You might end up with Ben McAdoo. You might end up with Dirk Cutter. You might have, you know, the Dolphins the thought they had it in Adam Gates. Guess who's a coaching option for the Jets? Adam right. Gates. Absolutely might be an option for the Jets. But, yes, the, the search for the next Sean McVay is assuming that there's a Sean McVay out there. And nobody knew what he was going to do when the Rams hired him. People were shaking their heads like, this, he's 32 years old. What has he done? And now the Jets are supposed to dig up that guy from somewhere else. I think if people look at Jim Caldwell, they'll feel a little better about him, but he's never going to be the real sexy hire. No. Uh, let's talk about whether the Jets are a sexy destination. Chris Johnson today said yes. Mike McCagney today said yes. Of course, they're going to say that. But there's reason to believe this time as opposed to past scenarios. Sam Darnold is here. It is New York. I believe the Jets showed good patience with Todd Bowles. Mm -hmm. uh, if the Jets had fired Bowles after last year, which so many people wanted, I think the Jets were in Cleveland Browns territory. Right. It would have been hard to get somebody else to come in here. So I thought they were right to be as patient as they were with Bowles, even though my old buddy Beningo would skewer yeah. me every time I'd say it to him. Um, but so I think it's a good destination. But already we've seen Jim Harbaugh said no, apparently. Iowa State head coach says no. Mm -hmm. Is that and that? I mean, so so. What was your reaction to those two guys apparently saying no? And then Lincoln Riley sort of said no NFL. Right. Uh, what's your reaction to all that? Well, I think first of all, with college coaches, they always say no until the day they're introduced as the next head coach <laughs> in the NFL. They, they don't want to ruin their recruiting, so we're taking their word for it right now that they don't want to be uh, the Jets head coach. I think with Jim Harbaugh, he wants power to go along with everything else. He's not going to get that if he's coming to work with a general manager that he doesn't have a previous relationship with. Matt Campbell, I think, may just want to stay at Iowa State. Yeah. You know, it's sometimes guys are more comfortable uh, in a college setting. So I'm not too worried about that. I think for other coaches, there's there's pluses and minuses. The, the organization itself, the patience they showed with Bowles, with Rex Ryan before that. This is not now a franchise that is turning over a coach every couple of years. That's important. The franchise quarterback is huge. A lot of coaches will look at a situation and say, how am I supposed to win there if I don't have a quarterback? And that's a, that's a big thing if they've got choices. The cap room is huge. The idea that they can come in and build a program. They're not stuck with a ton of veterans that they can't get off the right, roster. Right. You know, they can look at a, you know, what at times can be a dis dysfunctional locker room and say, you know, we can move something. If I want to get rid of this guy, I probably can. We have the cap room to eat that. This is as moldable a situation as there is. Absolutely. All of that is important. The only negative is you sort of need a thick skin and to be the right kind of guy to handle New York because 
it will obviously turn on you very, very fast. And some coaches look at that. And I've heard Mike McCarthy might be a guy like this. He was in Green Bay. He was the king up there. He was sensitive even to that smallish media group. He looks at New York and thinks, oh, I don't necessarily want right. part of that. And it's important to bring that up because there are other coaching situations that have similarities to the Jets in terms of you can go to Cleveland coach, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Uh, and, and be out of the spotlight to a different degree. You go to Arizona, Josh Rosen, I don't think had as good of a start to his career as Sam Darnold has, but, you know, he didn't have any help at all. Right. Um, you know, and you and you have you get a full slate of control and everything going on down in Arizona. So it's interesting, and I was going to ask you, is New York a positive or a negative it, in this it, case? It depends on the guy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you're afraid of the spotlight, if you're, if you're sensitive to criticism, it's probably not the right place for you. But the situation is one where you can win, and let's face it, if you win with the Jets, if you're the coach that leads them to the Super Bowl, you are a Hall of Fame candidate. You are a god. You will never eat or, or right. drink on your own dime. Ask Mark City Messier again. what it's like to win here as opposed to somewhere else. Yeah, no question. All these years later, uh, Mike Keene and the coach could go in any restaurant. Yes. And they're like, That's here right. you go. We got the bill. Don't right. worry right. about it. And so, I mean, look, these guys, every professional athlete, professional coach, they're filled with ego. They think... I can do that. I want to be the one who does it here, and it could be a challenge. It won't be easy if you lose, but I don't think any of them go into it thinking, oh, I wonder how bad that could get. Real, real quick, before we go, we're almost out of time. Um, I want to bring up this point because I thought it was a big failing of Todd Bowles. I thought it worked for him to a point with his players in the locker room, but I thought it was a failing in that he never connected with the fan base. Right. His idea in front of the media was, I'm going to be polite, like Mangini. Polite... But I'm going to tell you nothing. Yep. And I'm going to make it obvious I'm telling you nothing. Right. And I'm just going to repeat what I'm going to repeat, and you're going to get tired of asking, and that's going to be it. Yeah. That works, I think, in a locker room, especially if you're winning, because the players like that you're protecting them. Willie Colon uh, tells me that all the time. You can't sell the players down. You can't sell the store. I understand that, but I always push back on Willie on this, and we've been talking about this for three years, I say, but you're not communicating with your fan base. And I know players and coaches, Ralph, don't think about this enough this way, mm -hmm. that when you're talking to the media, you're not talking to this snarky guy who ripped you in the paper or, or on TV. You're really talking to the fans. Yeah. And Todd Bowles never connected with this fan base because he was so stoic to the media on the sideline. The fan, like, you know, the fan base connected with Rex even at the end when it was clear he was not the guy for this job anymore because he seemed like one of them. Right. How important is that in the next hire? I, I think it's pretty important. I mean, you got to go somewhere between Rex Ryan and Todd Bowles on the personality scale. Uh, by the way, what you said there is important because there's always this idea from franchises to go a 180. Right. We went from Rex to Todd. You went from Eric Mangini, a full 180 to Rex Ryan personality-wise, full 180 back to Todd Bowles. Right. There is a middle ground. Yeah, no question. You see it around the NFL. Guys like Matt Nagy, guys like uh, um, Sean McVay out in Los Angeles, guys who are good with the media, personable, but don't crush their players, don't give away the state secrets, but they are relatable. And does it matter as much as winning? Absolutely not. The Bill Belichick example we always give is the great one. He was a jerk in Cleveland. They ran him out of town. He's a jerk in New England. Nobody cares because he's winning Super right, Bowls. Right. It makes your life a lot easier when you're losing. It, it makes the fan base turn on you less. The media, especially in New York, turn on you less. And that's big. The Jets, as you know, are sensitive to criticism. And if you're a coach, and, and Todd Bowles, I think, behind the scenes, was a funny guy, a likable guy. But in public, he gave this perception of... I have no pulse. I don't know what I'm right. doing. 
I don't have answers. And perception became reality. Perception became reality, and it made the coverage harsher. It made the calls to talk radio uh, harsher than that. He didn't do himself any favors, and I think that can wear on an organization. And honestly, and while I respect what Willie would say about this, I think that the perception of your coach being lost and miserable and whatever can weigh on a player's player too because you're, you're going to get questions in the locker room about that from the press. It's interesting because, and I understand – Todd Bowles went about it as, I'm going to guard everything, and I will be personable with the media behind the scenes. And the beat guys love Todd Bowles. Mm -hmm. And why wouldn't they? He was nice. He was smart. He was vibrant to them behind the scenes. The problem with that, though, is that your fan base, especially when the losing starts, they don't see anything to believe in. Right. And it's, it's a tough question of what matters because, you know, look across the river at the Giants with Tom Coughlin. When Tom Coughlin was almost fired after the 2006 season. Because he was too fiery. Right. And he was too mean publicly yes. and the yes. Giants sat him down and said you need to soften your image let people see your softer side be nicer to the press he changed how he approached his image publicly let people see a little more of him now what mattered more that or the fact that he won a Super Bowl the next year right you know it's it depends on who you ask but I think that if he had changed his approach and still lost it wouldn't have mattered at all if he had won a year earlier people would have said Hey, you could be an idiot. We just won a championship. So it, the winning is going to matter in the end, but you could certainly make things a lot more pleasant and make your life easier if you show a little personality, a little willingness to engage with a fan base that, quite frankly, for all the money they spend, deserves that. They're money. starving for it. No question. They are starving for it. And by the way, again, I think the point of a middle ground, and we're going to wrap up with this, is a great one because, look, Herm Edwards, Mr. Outgoing, Eric Mangini, Mr. Guarded, Mr. Quiet. Polite, guarded, quiet. Right. Wouldn't even tell his owner yeah. what was going on, which is why it didn't last. And then you go to Rex, who's crazy and lovable and fun, and he's wearing wigs and all that. And then you go the exact opposite way to Bowles. There is a middle ground. Right, no question. And look, Rex, we knew from the beginning – Rex was going to look like an idiot if he didn't win. They yeah. won very quickly. And it's the same way in the other direction. Most of these coaches want to be Bill Belichick. They think that is the right approach. Just play the game, focus well, on How's that work for his uh, coaching tree? No question right. about it. There, there is definitely, Terrible. you can soften it without looking like a clown and just be engaging, smile a little, show a little emotion, and I think the fans will eat that up. Ralph, good stuff. We appreciate you uh, staying. You and I, again, we're boring. We don't have any big New Year's play. Thank you for yeah. staying for the full half hour. You got so. some like, champagne and stuff underneath uh, there. I, I, thought, I thought Gus, our Jets producer, would have it since we let it look so good this year. Yeah, exactly. Gus Figueroa should supply us with some form of New Year's alcohol. Uh, nonetheless, I, I want to, on behalf of Willie and I, say thank you to everybody listening to the podcast this year. We will continue on. We're not going to be every week during the offseason, but, you know, when they hire a coach, we're doing a podcast. Uh, as we get closer to the draft and free agency, it's such a huge offseason for this team. We will be there with you. So thanks for tuning in. Again, you can find us wherever you get your podcast, and iTunes. Uh, just search uh, wherever you get your podcast. Just search for the Jetstream, and you will find us. So on behalf of Willie, I say thank you. Ralph, thanks for doing it with us today. Everybody enjoy the beginning of your offseason, and we will be with you along the way. Thanks so much.